We're going to be in Revelation chapter 19, if you have your Bible with you this morning. Revelation chapter 19, I encourage you to follow along. I'm going to show you some verses out of the Bible that nobody talks about this morning. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to show you some verses out of the Bible that nobody talks about. This is really, truly a good Father's Day message I'm bringing. You know, uh, on Mother's Day, I try to bring a Mother's Day message. This is really, truly a good Father's Day message. It starts in Revelation chapter 19. The reason why I say that is, uh, you know, you ladies and uh, you husbands and wives, you understand what I'm saying? Y'all go to watch a movie or you want to watch a movie. The husband always wants to watch a movie that's got killing and bloods and guts and guns and knives and swords. And, and you want to watch the horses and the cats or the love stories and everything. This is... This is, a, this is a guns and a swords and a knives type of sermon right here. This will show you the truth about what Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ really is and what he's really about. Uh, this is another Jesus Christ that nobody talks about. The other side of Jesus Christ that nobody talks about. And it starts there in verse 11, Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven opened up, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True and in righteousness, he does judge and make war. Now, I want to point out that last Sunday, I was, I was preaching on uh, John being raptured out into heaven and what John saw up in heaven and the marvelous things that John saw up in heaven. And one thing, he realized that there's nobody worthy to open up that sealed book. They couldn't find a person. And all of a sudden, behold, the lamb that was slain appeared, Jesus Christ, and he was the only one worthy to open up that book. And when I closed out last Sunday, he was opening up that book, and all H-E-L-L, all H-E-L-L was breaking forth on earth. It was a time of tribulation, great tribulation. Jesus Christ said if God didn't shorten those times, there wouldn't be one soul left on this earth. It was so horrible. And now we come to the close of that. And at the close of that tribulation, when, it's, when the earth's at its darkest hour, when the darkness is on the earth, you can't see anything, all the, the death, the mutilation, everything's happening. Well, the Antichrist, he decides he's going to get his army together, and the Antichrist and all the world, they get an army together, and here comes Jesus Christ, verse 11. Here he comes, he's on a white horse, and it says, His eyes were as a flame of fire, verse 12, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Amen. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. That's you and I. Amen. That's us following the armies of heaven following Jesus Christ as he comes forth to make war. Verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Wow. It says that he has a two-edged sword. He has that sharp sword coming out of his mouth. What is that? What does that represent? That represents the power of Jesus Christ's words. 
The same Jesus Christ that most men and women know about, the same Jesus Christ that would go through this earth and say, Be ye healed. Be ye healed. Rise. He told Lazarus, Come forth, Lazarus. Raising the dead. Oh, he did all these wonderful things with his very words. This same Jesus, when he comes back, those words are going to be a sharp sword coming out of his mouth. What do you mean by that, Brother Keegan? When he comes back, instead of healed, 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 it's going to be die, die, die. This is another Jesus. This is another Jesus they don't like to talk about. And I want to point out at the end of verse 15, very important uh, set, set of scripture words there that we're going, to, we're going to focus on all through this morning. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Amen. Remember that. Verse 16, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, all capital letters. That's who he is. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, all the buzzards, all the eagles, come and gather yourselves together to the supper of the great God. Well, there's God inviting somebody to supper. It ain't the supper you want. <laughs> it's a supper for buzzards. Amen. Verse 18, And they that ye may eat the flesh of kings, and the flesh of captains, and the flesh of mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and of them that sit on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Presidents of, the, presidents of this earth, kings of this earth, senators, governors, mayors, the poor man that's just living out in the street. Everybody laying out there getting feasted on by the buzzards. Amen. This is the same Jesus Christ. Amen. And the angel says, hey, gather together. You're going to have a big feast. There's going to be a lot of people to eat on. Verse 19, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth. That beast is the Antichrist. And their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken, that's the Antichrist, and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which, which he, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. Let me stop there. See that word deceived? There's a lot of that going on right now. A lot of the world's deceived right now. And I used to just think, no, really, people really are not that stupid. No, really, people really aren't that stupid. And you turn on the TV today and you go, oh, yeah? People really are just that flat stupid. <laughs> Verse 20. And the beast was taken with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which he had deceived them and had received the mark of the beast, and that them that worshiped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. We call it hell. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, that's Jesus Christ, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, that's the words of Jesus Christ. And all the fowls were filled with their flesh. It's a good buffet for the buzzards. A buffet for the buzzards. I'm going to focus my sermon this morning back up on verse 13. Verse 13. Back up on verse 13. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood. I'm going to preach a sermon on why is Jesus Christ's vesture dipped in blood. And I want to answer that question. Why is the vesture of Jesus Christ dipped 
in blood. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray, Father, it'll be your words, not mine, Lord God. I pray your Holy Spirit will come in, Father. Move among us, Lord God, speaking to us, Lord, the truth, Father. I pray, Father, that Jesus Christ will be glorified and lifted up in every way, Lord God. And, Father, I pray, Lord, if there's somebody underneath the sound of my voice that's never took Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Father, they don't know what it's like to have salvation in Jesus Christ, Father, I pray, Lord, before the end of this service, Father, they'll get down on their knees and they'll ask you to save them, Lord God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that salvation is, simply, is as simple as believing and calling out to you. Father, I thank you for that, Lord. And, Father, I pray, Lord God, that this will be evident to us, this will be real to us, Lord God, and that when we leave this church, Father, we'll live our life knowing that this is about to take place and believing it. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray, amen. This is the other side of Jesus. This is a Jesus no one wants to talk about. The Jesus that has blood sprinkled all over his clothes, has a sword coming out of his mouth, and is coming down to make war. In other words, this isn't a Joe Osteen Jesus. People hear, people hear, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, and people say it. Some people even believe it. Jesus is coming, and they believe Jesus is coming back to give out hugs and to give out kisses. Jesus isn't coming to give out hugs and give out kisses. My Bible says he's coming to make war. That's what verse 11 says. He does judge and make war. Yeah, Jesus is coming. And that's why I, I have a bumper sticker. I got it down in Pensacola. It's a bumper sticker. It says, Jesus is coming and boy is he mad. I hope they get it. That's backed up with scripture. He's not, now, if you're a Christian, he's already came, he's already raptured you out of here. We talked about that last Sunday. He's raptured us out. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, if you believe in Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, he's took you, he's raptured you out. You've already gone through. You've just come from a feast. You're following Jesus, but he's not a happy Jesus. He's not the lamb that's, that died on the cross anymore. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is the Jesus that you don't want to meet. You want to meet the Jesus that we're talking about. We preach every Sunday. We try to preach Jesus Christ crucified for your sins. Jesus Christ, the lamb that taketh away the sins of the world. That's the Jesus Christ I like to preach. This ain't that Jesus. This is the Jesus at the end when God says, okay, boys, turn him loose. This is the Jesus, the Bible, go back and read it in Revelation 19 when you get home. There's a great marriage feast. We're all up in heaven. We're having this big marriage feast. I, feast, I can, I can imagine there'll be some of our, us up there having a food fight, throwing rolls at each other, just having a good old time, amen? This is going to be a good old time. Pass the biscuits. And then we're going to hear a sound. And we're going to look up and we're going to see a man come forth. And we know that man is Jesus. He's going to have crowns on him. It's going to be so beautiful. And we're going to see a big white stallion brought forth. Goosebumps will raise up on our arms and we see Jesus Christ come forth of that white stallion. We'll see Jesus Christ throw his leg over that stallion. Mount it up! Mount up! It's time to go back and get what belongs to me. Amen. We're going to go back and we're going to get back that earth that belongs to us. And we're going to get up off that table and man, we're going to be so excited. Is that time that we've always heard about. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. But he's not coming to give out hugs. You know, uh, Brother Smith, I was talking to Brother Smith, and he had, he had borrowed some stuff from me, and, he, and Brother Smith talked to me, and he said, you know these protesters have signs that say, Jesus is coming, so what? We're going to kill, we'll just kill him again. 
And I couldn't believe that. You know, I, I'm just dumb enough not to believe people are that stupid. And, I, and I, I believed him, but I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, they say, let Jesus come back. We'll just kill him again. And I went online. I said, man, surely I'll find Sure enough, you Google it up. There it is. They have a big movement. In this big movement, they sell shirts that say, let Jesus come back. We'll kill him again. They have posters. They have billboards. They have, they have, uh, they have signs. They, they're all in those. If you look at any of those, they got these signs. Let Jesus come back. We'll kill him again. Craziness. They don't understand the Jesus they're going to be looking at. This is not the Jesus that's coming back to give hugs and kisses. Number one, you didn't kill Jesus. Jesus died willingly. And he said that over and over again. I could have 12 legions of angels right here if I wanted to, Pilate, but I don't want to. He died for my sins and for your sins. The one who made that sign, the one who came up with that saying, you know what? He died for your sin. He died to get you into heaven, just like he died to get me into heaven. That's why he died. He, you didn't kill him. He died willingly. Amen. And number two, when he comes again, you won't be doing the killing. He'll be doing the killing. Amen. I'm reading it to you right there. See, I told you this is going to be a good Father's Day message. Us fathers love this. Like, come on, man, give us more of this. More of the killing, 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 killing. It's Jesus. This is the Jesus that we don't preach about. This is the Jesus of the Bible. Amen. Turn to Zephaniah 3. Why is there blood sprinkled on Jesus Christ? Turn to Zephaniah 3. I'll show you. Now, Zephaniah, you're saying, where's that at? If you go to the book of Matthew, you go to the book of Matthew, you'll you turn left, you'll find Malachi, Zechariah, Haggai, and then you'll come into a little book, a minor prophet, Zephaniah. Now, in, in your Bible, at the end of the Old Testament, the Bible, at the end of the Old Testament, all the, all the, uh, old te all the minor, we call them minor prophets because they're smaller, in, they're, small, they're not minor in, in, in word, they're just smaller written Bibles, books of the Bible. They're put at the end of the Old Testament. So anytime you hear a name like Zephaniah or Haggai or Malachi, you know that's going to be at the end of the Old Testament. That's just some name you've never heard before. That's usually where they're found. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 8 though. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 8. Why is there blood sprinkled on Jesus Christ's clothes? Here's one of the answers. Verse, chapter 3 verse 8. This is the Lord speaking. Therefore wait ye upon me. And we've been waiting for 2,000 years, haven't we? Wait ye upon me, saith the Lord, until the day that I rise up to the prey. For my determination, here's what God's determined to do, is to gather the nations that I may assemble the kingdoms to pour upon them mine indignation, even what? All my fierce anger. For all the earth shall be devoured with the fire of my jealousy. The reason why there's blood sprinkled on Jesus Christ is because God's gathered all the nations together to pour his wrath out on them. See, he gave his son to, so he could pour all his love out on the nations. It don't matter what color you are, it don't matter what race you are, God gave Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ died so he could pour all his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Nobody took his son from him, he gave him. All his love is poured out on the world right now. But there's coming a time all his anger is going to be poured out on the world. Amen. There's always a flip side to every coin. 
Always. That's why it's happening. He's gathering them together. He's gathering them together. So in the 1900s, they started the League of Nations. Then that evolved into the United Nations. Now we see here as the United Nations, over 200-something nations in the United Nations. God's gathering them together. <laughs> He's gathering them together. Why would he do that? Because he wants to pour his wrath out on them. I'm reading it to you. Are you reading it with me? Joel, Joel, chapter 3. Continue with me. Joel chapter 3. Go to the left, to the left, to the left, to the left, 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 to the left. Go to the left. If you can find Daniel, you'll find Daniel and then Hosea and then you'll find Joel. 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 Daniel, Hosea, Joel. Chapter 3. Here's another prophecy. Now, notice this was written 2,800 years ago. This is 2,800 years ago this was written down. Here we are in the year 2020 reading this. Joel, Joel chapter 3, verse 1. For behold, in those days and in that time will I sh when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. Let me stop there. Do you know that the nation of Israel wasn't a nation for 2,000 years? And there was a time all of a sudden they started coming together and became a nation again in 1948? Oh, that Bible's full of errors. That Bible, you can't believe that Bible. Are you crazy? That Bible's right ahead of us. And he said, in that time, that's the time you're living in, brothers. That time right now, verse 2, I will also gather A-L-L nations. Now, when I first read this 20-something years ago, I thought, that ha not America. The land of the free, the home of the brave, not America, not the United States. Dun, 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 dun. We love God. We love, we love Christ. Look what we're doing. Look how wonderful a nation we are. Ha, ha, ha. We're shot. We're done. And God said 2,800 years ago, I'm going to gather all nations, including the United States, to do what? And we'll bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat means Jehovah hath judged. And we'll plead with them there for my people. Who's God's people? Israel, the Jew. My people, and from my heritage, Israel, there's the answer to my question. There, that's Israel. Whom they have scattered among the nations, and they did it for 2,000 years, and parted my land. Amen. What's God's land? According to the word of God, it's Israel. Not the Muslim. The, not the Jew. The Jew gets that land because it's God's land, and he gives it to them. You understand how that works? God owns it. God says, I want the Jew on there. I don't want nobody else. I don't want, the, I don't want the Pope on there. I don't want the Southern Baptist Convention on there. I don't want any Christians on there. That belongs to my people, Israel. And they're part of my land. You know what's been going on for the past 40, 50 years? They've been parting that land. Every bit of it. God says, I'm going to get them for it. Look at verse 9. Skip down to verse 9. Proclaim ye, God says, the Lord says, Proclaim ye this among the Gentiles. That's anybody who's not a Jew. Prepare war. Make, wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Time for war, guys. Time for war. Beat your plowshares unto swords and your pruning hooks unto spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. I know y'all are out there tilling the ground. I know you're doing all that. You need to drop your weapon. You what have you got? You need to make a weapon. You come up here. You need to fight me. It's time to fight. Prepare to make war. It's not a time to talk. It's not a time to debate. 
God says, it's not time to figure out what you're going to do. Get your stuff together and let's come on down here. We're going to fight. This is God telling the nations this. Telling America this. I'm sick of you. And we're going to fight it out. You know what the United Nations, they gather all these nations together. They hate God. They hate the Jew. They hate Christians. And everything they do, you can see that. Right across from the United Nations is a park. And in that park, they have a thing called the Isaiah Wall. And on that, you can Google this up. On the Isaiah Wall, they have Isaiah chapter 2 written on that wall, verse 4. Isaiah 2, 4 says, Take your swords and beat them into plowshares. Take your uh, spears and beat them into pruning hooks. He's talking about peace. So across the United Nations, they have this Isaiah wall. It's all talking about peace, peace, peace. And the Bible says there'll be no peace. Amen. Not until the king of peace comes back. So the world, they think they can bring in peace by themselves. It won't work. No. Obviously, right? America is as close as you've gotten outside of God's people, Israel, to becoming what God wants us to be. And we blew it. We blew it. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are, guys. People are getting shot in the streets, murdering, raping, looting, everything going on. Here we are. That's your America right there. And you know what happens? It don't get better. This is a wake-up call. This is not God's country anymore. We give this country away. We did it. The Christians, somewhere along the way, started feeling guilty and rolled over and we showed our belly and we gave up our Christian beliefs. Amen. And this is what we got right here. We got it. Hey, you can't blame the heathens. We voted these people in. We, a lot, there's a lot of Christians in this country. We voted these people in and that's what we're getting what we deserve. Can you imagine... Somebody like Biden, Joe Biden, running this country? Have you listened to him? He, he's, he's got Alzheimer's. They put, up, they put up an ad. Every time I watch YouTube, his ad, they think I want to vote Biden, I guess. They put his ad up there. And he's going, uh, I, I, I would appreciate you, 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 you vote, 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 vote for me. And I'm like, they couldn't record a better message than that? I mean, that's the best one they got? God says, that's the one you deserve. <laughs> that's the leader you deserve, and we deserve Trump. And a lot of y'all think, oh, that's the greatest thing we have. No, we deserve him, and we deserve Obama. We deserve everything we get. Amen. We need to repent, but we're not going to repent. And God says, you know what? I'm sick of you. I've had it up to here to you. Everybody get ready. I'm coming in to make war. Prepare yourself. Verse 11, assemble yourselves and come up, all ye heathen. Gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause thy mighty ones come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be awakened. Come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat, for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. Look at verse 13. Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come get you down, for the press is full. The fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. I want to point out that I'm, I pointed out back in Revelation that at the end of that verse where it talked about the wine press of the fierceness of the wrath of God. And there's a wine press mentioned again, and it's a sickle. They're cutting those grapes, and they're putting them in those, all those grapes, those ripe grapes, and they're throwing them in a wine press, and they're about to start stomping on them. 
Verse 14, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. He says multitudes, multitudes. You know what Revelation tells us in Revelation chapter 9? It's going to be a 200 million man army come across Euphrates. Euphrates dries up and there's a 200 million man army come across. That's a lot of people. Do you know who can get together a 200 million man army? Well, just the only one in the world that can do it right now it happens to be on the other side of Euphrates called China. Now, people come to me, I don't know if the Bible's real. I don't know if I believe the Bible. You big moron. You think about something. Think about something. The Bible says there's a 200 million man army come. 200 years ago. And listen to me because you've you you got to have facts. You've got to have mathematical facts. Amen. 1700, the year 1700, there were only 600 million people in the world. Mathematically. There were only 600 million people. When they read this in 1611, when the King James translators translated this in there and had put in there 200 million in Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 9, when they put 200 million in there, it was impossible. That's impossible. When you have 600 million people in the whole known world and you say there's going to be a 200 million man army, that's impossible. In 1600, that was Literally impossible. Brothers and sisters, that's impossible. You know what the King James translators did? They didn't change that. They didn't make that line up and say it's a 100,000 man army. They put in there 200 million men. Amen. We're living in 2020. You know what? That impossibility is possible. Amen. It's a reality. You're living in the end times. Verse 15, the sun and the moon shall be darkened and the stars shall withdraw their shining. The Lord, look at verse 16, the Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. Amen. That should get you excited. Jesus Christ and you will come back bleeping like a lamb. Bye, bye, bye. Jesus Christ is coming back as the King of kings, Lord of lords, as a lion. And your Bible says right there in verse 16, the Lord also shall roar out of Zion. They say you can hear a, roar, a lion roaring from miles away. And the heavens and the earth shall shake, but the Lord will be the hope of his people and the strength of the children of Israel. Amen. Israel, Israel. This is a time of Jacob's trouble. It's all about Israel. The Christian's up in heaven right now. Look at Revelation 16. Turn to Revelation 16. We're going to go back to Revelation 16. I mean, go back to Revelation. Revelation 16. Yes. Why is Jesus, clothes Why is Jesus Christ's clothes covered in blood? Well, he's gathered all the nations together. There's a lot of people gathered together. And they're gathered together to the battle of Armageddon. Revelation 16, verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. The way of the kings of the east, the east of the Euphrates, that would be Russia, that would be China. Guess who's been doing war games together since 2003? You guessed it, Russia and China. They can assemble a 200 million man army very easily, right now. And that Euphrates dries up. Guess what happened? In the late 1900s, late 1990s, Turkey built a dam right on the Euphrates.
caused a big uproar. Why did it cause an uproar? Because Turkey, which is up there north of the, on the Euphrates, they can shut that dam off, and guess what will happen to that Euphrates? It'll dry up. Amen. That's a coincidence, Pastor. Yeah, that's a coincidence. Unless you're a, unless you're a Bible believer, then you know it's the truth. Amen. Coming true, just like it's written in your Bible. Verse 13. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon. That's Satan. Out of the mouth of the beast. That's the Antichrist. And out of the mouth of the false prophet. That's the unholy trinity. The dragon, the father, the Antichrist, the son, the false prophet, the holy, false holy spirit, unholy spirit. That's the unholy trinity right there. But it says it's unclean spirits like frogs that are just bouncing out. That's how these spirits look. Verse 14, for they are the spirits of devils working miracles. Anybody who has a phone, a tablet, a computer, a TV that turns on the TV today, turns on any kind of news, can see unclean spirits working and can see the spirits of devils working in America today. Amen. It's the devil working. Unclean spirits. Oh, Pastor, you're so old-fashioned. You believe in demons. You believe in unclean spirits. Yeah, I believe in it. I see it on TV practically every day. The way people act. That's not God's Holy Spirit working on people. Whose spirit is it? It's that kind of spirit right there. The spirits of devils. Working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Verse 15, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. This is going to come all of a sudden. This, Jesus Christ is going to come like a thief in the night. They're not going to see it coming. All of a sudden, crap, here comes that army right out of heaven, just like we read in Revelation 19. Verse 16, And he gathered them together into a place called, in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Armageddon. Armageddon means Mount of Megiddo. Megiddo. And Megiddo means hill of the crowded. Hill of the crowded. So there's going to be a lot of people. The Bible says 200 million men there in Revelation 9. So this battle, Jesus Christ has blood on his garments because he's gathered the nations together. And he's come down to this battle to make war. And that's what happens in war. Blood is shed. Blood is shed. See, there was a spiritual war that took place 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary. There was a war for mining your soul. And blood had to be shed. And there's a man that says, I'm your friend. Because no greater love is a man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And he got on the cross and he died for mining your sins. Amen. He shed his blood. And now the other side of this corn coin is now there's a physical battle the spiritual battle took place Jesus shed his blood now the physical battle takes place now somebody else is going to shed their blood Amen. and it's not going to be Jesus look at Revelation 14 Revelation 14 turn back a couple of chapters Revelation 14 18 so Jesus the Lord is Jesus Christ is the Lord manifest out so Jesus Christ, the Lord, he gathers these armies together. And there's a lot of them, at least 200 million men. Gathers them together, all the nations. He comes down to this valley Armageddon, this Mount of Megiddo, this right there where that valley's at, and man, he starts wiping them out. How does he do it? With his mouth. He comes in there, die, and they're just falling over, bowling over. 
Look at Revelation, Revelation 14, verse 18. And another angel came out from the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud cry to him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. Jesus Christ told us that, there, that he is the true vine. Amen. And if you're a Christian, you're in the vine and you're merely branches producing fruit. So if Jesus Christ is the true vine, according to John 15, there must be a false vine. And there is. The Bible lists it right there. It's called the vine of this earth. That's the devil's vine. And he takes it, and they're fully ripe. And the angel, verse 19, thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And, with the, and the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. I'll interpret that for you. That's 200 miles. 200 miles, blood's running up to the horse's bridle. Wow. Now to give context to this, in Ezekiel chapter 38, in this same time period, God says in Ezekiel 38, he's going to rain blood down. So with all the blood coming out of men and women that are down there and all the blood that's coming out of heaven is going to run for 200 miles about up to the horses brought about six feet tall. You understand what God's describing to you there in verse 19? And I pointed it out to you in Revelation 19. I pointed it out to you in Joel. I pointed it out to you that it's a wine press. It's a wine press of the wrath of God. In verse 20, he says, He's trodden without the city and blood came out of the wine press. What's a wine press? What they did is to give you an illustration, they have like, it basically looked like a tub. They put all those ripe grapes in that tub. And when they put all those ripe, ripe grapes in a the tub, they take off their shoes and get down to their feet and they pull up their robes and they just stomp like this. And they'd stomp and squeeze those grapes. And at the bottom of that tub, they'd have a little spigot. And then the grape juice would come out. The wine, new wine, come out. Just stomp them. So what God's described to you in three different places. You've read it with me. In three different places, God's described to you an, a, an image of him stomping people with his feet. Just stomping them. That's the wrath of Almighty God. This is Jesus Christ. Closing Isaiah 63. Isaiah 63. This is where it gets good. See, the Bible, it interprets itself. Isaiah chapter 63. All these are prophecies, things to come. Things are about to take place and nobody sees it coming. They're too busy watching TV. They're too busy watching the internet. They're too busy playing on their phones. They're too busy trying to change politicians. Politics. They're too busy doing this and doing that, and they, they never see Jesus Christ. He's coming. And then when you try to tell them, hey, Jesus Christ is coming back, yeah, well, I'll just kill him. I'll kill him again. All right, dude, you, 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 good, good luck, you know. Good luck. I, my favorite thing is, y'all grew, a lot of y'all grew up the same time I grew up. Back when I was in the 80s, there was nobody who was feared more than Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson would go into the boxing ring and he would finish an opponent, opponent within about 30 seconds, just boom, knock him down. Big old, big old tall dude. Dude might be six foot five. Mike Tyson might be only five nine. He'd boom, and that guy just out like a light. And man, every song was singing about Mike Tyson. He was the baddest man on the planet, and nobody argued that. And I had dumb friends, I mean, really ignorant friends that say, You give me a million dollars, I'd step in there with Mike Tyson. 
Like, you fool, you stupid idiot, you wouldn't do that. Would you see that? I think it was a Snickers commercial a couple years ago. They came out with that, where they showed this guy, and he's in there talking to his friends, and he said, for a million dollars, I step in there with Mike Tyson. And then, ding, 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 they show that kid in there, the little bitty white skinny kid go up there, and Mike Tyson goes, boom, and that kid's head goes, boom, flying across. <laughs> That's what would happen. Just, his head goes flying across the ring. I love that commercial. That's you standing up against Jesus Christ. That's you standing up against Jesus Christ. You think you're going to stand up against Jesus Christ? There's no contest. Look at Isaiah 63, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 63, verse 1. Here's the answer to that question. Why is there blood on Jesus Christ's clothes? Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. That's Jesus Christ. What you have going on there are some inferences to the path of him coming into Jerusalem before he goes to the battle of Armageddon. That's what all these inferences are. It's him. That's Jesus Christ. Look at verse 2. Wherefore art thou red in thine apparel, and thy garments like him that treadeth in the wine path? See that description I just give you? They said, it looks like you've been treading around in a wine press. You've been treading down all the grapes. Your garments look all spotted and red. Why do they look that way? Verse 3, here's the answer. Here's the answer God gives. The Lord gives. Jesus Christ gives. I have trodden the wine press alone. And of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger, trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. Here's the Jesus that we don't preach enough about. That blood in Revelation 19, on the, that blood on Jesus Christ is in his own blood. That's the blood of his enemies. Amen. That's the blood of his enemies. It's a lion with a mouth that's covered in blood. It's Paul's covered in blood. The world took the Lamb of God and killed the Lamb of God and made sure the Lamb of God was covered in blood. And now the lion has come. He's going to be covered in blood. It's not going to be his own blood. It's the blood of my enemies. It's the enemies. He sprinkled upon my garments and I will stain my, all my raiment. Why? Why would, that, why would, his blood, why would blood, their blood be all over him? Verse 4, for the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come. Who's God's redeemed? That's me and you. You know what that says right there in verse 4? Every dog has his day. Woof, woof, woof. And we're going to get our day. Amen. They're getting their day now. They make fun of us. They mock us. They mock Jesus Christ. They make fun of Jesus Christ. They kill Christians. They mock Christians. They do everything they can to us. They put us to the side. We're the most discriminated people in the world is the Christians. Amen. It don't matter what race you are. If you're a Christian, you're discriminated against. And nobody cares about you. Amen. But there's a day coming they will. This is that day. Verse 4. It's the day and the year of my redeemed is come. Verse 5, And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore mine own arm brought my salvation unto me, and my fury, it upheld me. That's somebody who's furious. Verse 6, And I will tread down the people in mine anger, and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. 
That's a Jesus Christ I don't want to run into. Mad, angry, and furious. Blood, covered. he's covered in blood, sprinkled all over him because he's been killing so many people. That's a Jesus that's come to make war. The Lord our God, he is a God of war. But look at the very next verse. Very curious. Very, very, now look at the very next verse. Guys, read it with me. Y'all read it with me. Y'all reading it? I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord. Now what kind of nonsense is that? You're reading for six, seven verses high. He's trampling people out. Their blood's all over him. Furious anger, anger, anger. I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord. See that verse 7? I will mention the loving kindness of the Lord. That sounds like nonsense, doesn't it? Look, and the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us, and the great goodness toward the house of Israel, which he hath bestowed on them according to his mercies, and according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. Don't sound like much loving kindness going on there. He's stomping on people. He's furious with people. See, that's what people don't get. They think that God's all love. And God is love. But he's not all love. You can't have all love without hating the thing that wants to kill what you love. Some people don't get that. If you really, really love somebody, you really, really love something, you're going to hate that thing that tries to destroy what you love. And if you're on this side and you're getting loved by God, it's all the loving kindnesses, it's all the mercies, it's all the great goodnesses because of verse 8. It's all because of verse 8. It's the most important verse out of all of these. For he said, surely there are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their, capital S, Savior. Amen. He's either your Savior or he's your enemy. That's it. I mean, that just boil it down for you. I boil it down for you. Either Jesus Christ is your Savior, He's your King of Kings and Lord of Lords, or He's your enemy. Amen. And He's coming after you, and He's going to get you. He that believeth on the Son hath eternal life. He that believeth not, the wrath, the wrath of God abideth on him. What wrath is that? You've been reading it with me for about 40 minutes. Tough. Woo. Tough, tough, tough. Here's the great truth. And I'll close with this. Here's the great truth. You can either have your blood sprinkled on Jesus and have all his fury and anger, or you can let Jesus put his blood on you and you'll have all his kindnesses, his loving kindness, his goodness, and his mercy. It's all about blood. It's blood from the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation. It's about your blood and his blood. You're either going to let him put his blood on you and you'll get saved, or your blood's going to be sprinkled on him when he comes back to take back what belongs to him. You'll be in his way. He's going to take back what belongs to him. It's your choice. You either receive the love and grace offered now or you get God's anger later on. I can't plead with you enough to take the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He said, well, I don't, and I had people say this to me, well, I don't like a God like that. I don't like a God like that. Well, let me tell you something. He's God. You understand what I'm saying? He can do what he wants to do. 
So you better recognize he's God and say, what does he want me to do? Instead of saying, I ain't going to do that. I ain't. You sound like a little kid. I hate it. My mama makes me go wash the dishes. My mama makes me clean the house. My mama makes me brush my teeth. You sound like a little kid. I don't like the way God acts. <laughs> he's God. He's got complete and total power over you. You better do what he wants you to do. And I'm giving you, and he's nice enough to give you some warning. Amen. See, this is a warning. It didn't just happen. It's already been told what's going to happen. Amen. Here's a choice. Get out of it. Take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. I'm not saying you're going to be a sinless. You just take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He'll come in and start residing in you. He'll start cleaning you up. You'll repent, do that. Or you can turn your back on God and you say, I'll just, when he comes back, here I come. I'll take him on. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Many have come and tried and have all failed including the devil. They've all failed. In closing, you might say, well, I'm not going to vote for that king. You don't vote for a king. He's king of kings. You know what I know about kings? They come in and take, and they rule and reign with a rod of iron. You don't vote. See that rod of iron mentioned there in the Bible? I'm going to go out and protest. No, you're not. I'm going to go pull down some statues. Uh, no, you're not. I can't wait. Somebody can take control of things and get this stuff under control. It's only going to be Jesus Christ. And so many people put their hope and faith in Trump, and there are no man in the world can take control of this mess of a world we're in right now. Nobody. But get, you know what? God wanted it that way. Because he can't have his son come back until he gets it this way. Because he said that's what has to happen. So here we go. It's all happening just like he said. And here we are this morning. Are you going to take Jesus Christ? Or are you going to say, you know, I'll go my own way? Up to you. It's your choice. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. And Lord, I pray, Father, if somebody doesn't know Jesus Christ, Lord, they'll come to a saving knowledge. They'll just bow down. They'll repent, bow down, and ask him to save them, Lord God. Father, I pray, Lord God, that uh, this is a hard message. It shows, you, it shows you in your anger and your fury, Lord God. We don't like to think about that, Lord God, but it does show the truth. And Lord, as hard as this truth is, Father, help us to accept it. Help us to understand it, Lord God. But Father, I love it. I love it, love it that I grew up without really a father, Lord God, and you're my heavenly father. And Lord, on this Father's Day, Lord God, I thank you and I praise you, Father, for being my father. For allowing me to call you father. For allowing me to get up into your lap, Lord God, and repent of my sins. And to ask forgiveness, Lord, and I thank you for your blessings on my life, Lord God, and on my family, Lord, and on my church. And Lord, I just pray, Father, that you would forgive us as a nation, Lord God. Help us to turn back and seek you, Lord. That you might give us a little bit more time to get the gospel truth out, Lord God. But if it's your will, you're just going to flush us down the toilet, Lord God. I pray you just flush us, Lord. Whatever it takes to get Jesus Christ to come back quicker, Lord, we're ready. We're ready and we're waiting for Jesus Christ. We'd love for him to come right now, Lord. Right now, Lord, we, look, we love you and we're looking for you, Lord. There ain't much left in this world we love. We love you, Lord. We want you to come back. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, brother, what song are we going to sing? 384. So we all stand together. If you don't know Jesus Christ, come on down and get saved. The prayer altar is always open. Whatever you might need this morning, it's there for you. Whatever you do, don't leave those doors because Jesus is coming soon. I believe it with all my heart. He's coming soon.
Hello friends, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him